a warm and friendly hello. Welcome to Love You Las Vegas for Coast to Coast Hoops with myself, Greg Hughes, and now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast, and we got a great podcast for you. I hate saying that we've got a little bit of a shorter podcast than normal, but I feel like I've been saying it the last few days, and that means that games are getting postponed and canceled, so let's hope, let's pray that things wind up getting a little bit better on that front, but with that said, we are going to be having Jason Radowitz does a great job over there with covers. He does great work with the game day MLB when it comes to his MLB work. Guy works with like literally six different networks, giving out picks and analysis on darn near every sport. Does a terrific job. He's going to be joining me in the second segment. We're going to have a little bit of a wider topic that we're going to be talking about, just gauging how to place bets with regards to timing with all of these cancellations, with guys being ruled out at the last minute due to COVID-19, injuries, what have you. We're also going to be taking a look at just what to expect in general when it comes to college basketball the rest of the season, if anything winds up standing out to them on Tuesday. So this is actually going to be a little bit more, I guess you could call it all-encompassing with regards to that interview because I do think that it's very important because the struggles that college basketball is facing with all these games being postponed and canceled slash the games that are going on, a lot of players being ruled out for them, it really does hold true for a lot of sports. So I do think that this is going to be a great chat that we're going to be having with Jason in the second segment. Then in the final segment, it's been a board that's been cut relatively in half, but I'm going to be giving you guys picks and analysis on every single game on the betting board that we currently have in a little something I like to call bank shots. I will throw this in here right now. This is going to be uploaded at midnight Pacific, so if we do wind up seeing a couple games get canceled after this uploads, I really do apologize. It's just a strange state of affairs, and with these strange state of affairs, always want to be able to answer whatever you guys have questions with. If you've got a segment idea, question, comment, what have you, you've got one or two ways to be able to fry these in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at squirty one keep it behind letters EM. They meet us on matter. So as per usual, please send these into the timeline. And the other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Find that five-star review. We did not wind up getting in any today, but the good news is every single D1 versus D1 game that was scheduled for Monday wound up getting in. That would be one. So let's take a look back at Brown versus Syracuse. Try to find out a little bit more about these two teams and try to find some trends. Games from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. Syracuse entered this game a bottom 50 team with regards to three-point shooting defense. They actually did a relatively solid job, but they wound up pushing this total over based on their great shooting of 13 of 21 from distance. They win and cover by a count of 93 to 62 as right around a 9.5 to a 10-point favorite. And it was Bayheim squared in this one as Jimmy and Buddy Bayheim, a combined 41 points with Buddy Bayheim going 4 of 6 from 3, 28 points, 5 boards. Syracuse, they looked very good on the glass. They wound up winning that battle by a count of 42 to 35 for Brown. Just not a good day for them. A team that has actually been relatively solid in defense. They wind up committing 14 turnovers in this game, so they had a tough time taking care of the ball. Now, they did wind up getting a nice little surprise in Keno Lilly Jr. coming off the bench. Gave the team 13 points, but really past that, it was not their night. And for Syracuse, a team that doesn't necessarily have a lot of depth, they were able to get some pieces in off the bench, give them a few minutes, so that is going to be good for Syracuse moving forward. So, we really don't have a lot of trends because we wound up seeing one over on Monday. We wound up seeing 100% of games go to the favorites as well, so wish I could give you a little bit more, so this is a little bit of a short and sweet segment here, so please do, if you wind up having any questions, what have you, please do send those into the Twitter timeline, because we have been getting a lot of games, unfortunately, canceled, and I hope I don't have to say that anymore, because believe me, I want to be able to make you guys some money here, but a man that does a great job of being able to handicap a little bit of everything, does a great job of making people money, that'd be Jason Radowitz, he's going to be joining me next, we're going to be talking about just 
gauging these games in which there might be some question marks when it comes to COVID-19 positive tests with regards to injuries and then we're going to turn it forward just take a look at the landscape of college basketball and if anything's really standing out to them for today so that's coming up next right here on Coast to Coast Hoops with myself Greg Gibbs now part of the BC Family Podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to part of the Decent Family Podcast, and it is great to be joined by our guest as this man does a terrific job being able to handicap a whole wide variety of sports, whether it be the NBA, NFL, college football, college basketball, MLB, when that's in season. This man covers it all over there at the game day MLB. Odds checker covers. You've also got in the full bookmaker review. List goes on and on. As we do have Jason Radowitz on the podcast. And to be able to follow him, it is easy enough at Jason underscore Radowitz. And Jason, first of all, happy holidays to you. And thank you so much for joining me. Yes, happy holidays to you as well. And of course, man, college basketball has been so much fun to start the season. Of course, we're getting into conference play now, and that's always the best time of college basketball. 
of course, you know, with all the COVID going around, you know, you wish that the season kind of played out a little bit better, but, you know, it's all going to kind of you know, go away eventually. And, you know, we will have some really good college basketball games in the near future. Yep, I agree with you. I do think that things are going to get better. I always try to be an optimistic person when it comes to these sorts of circumstances and when it comes to handicapping, because I know that you do a little bit of everything. How have you been gauging everything that we've seen? We'll call it the last 14 days, because as we know in college basketball, a lot of games have been postponed slash canceled. But in a lot of other sports like the NBA, like the NFL, they are very, very hesitant to postpone slash cancel games. So you deal with teams that they're going to be without their full complement of players. You wind up having a lot of star players being out. Has that changed anything with regards to your handicap and bet timing? It hasn't changed much. Now, I will say for me, I bet just one game a day for the most part. And of course, some days I haven't bet a single game in college basketball. But that's just my style. And that's just how I've seen the most success recently. I will say on the season, I'm 69.4% win percentage, but just taking 35 bets on the season. So I haven't played, you know, a ton of college basketball, but when I do, what I've been doing is taking more, you know, smaller spreads, whether that's plus or minus, and then the minus usually pay up on the juice a little bit for the money lines. And of course, for underdogs, you know, I take the most points I can get at plus. So that's kind of been what I've been doing. That's worked out for me in college basketball. And yeah, there were a couple of days where I had one bet that I liked and that bet was canceled. And so once that bet got canceled, I didn't go and chase. I just kind of waited until the next day. So that's what I've done. I know it's been you know really difficult for a lot of uh, bettors, especially guys like you when it comes to volume. But, you know, eventually things will start to calm down and we'll get a lot more college basketball in the future. And I would argue when it comes to college basketball, you actually do have a little bit more protection when you do wind up firing on some of these games a little bit earlier as well, because I mentioned it with the NBA, the NFL, there's a good likelihood that if you wind up firing in on a game, even the night before, Saturday night for Sunday, you could wind up being in a spot in which you wind up having a star player, your quarterback, what have you, being ruled out. And in college basketball, we've noticed that Typically, more often than not, when you do wind up seeing positive COVID cases, game just winds up getting postponed and canceled. So in my opinion, you actually do get a little bit more protection when it comes to college basketball, just because if there is a COVID outbreak, typically you get a refund. I'm not sure if you see it the same way as well, but I mean, in a strange way, it actually offers you a little bit of a safety blanket. Yeah, I'm with you there. I bet my games early in the morning, Eastern time. So for me, it's around seven o'clock, eight o'clock Eastern time where I'm placing my bet and sending it out to everyone that wants to tail with me. So, you know, I agree. I think that that's probably the best way to go about it. I've seen with my bets for the most part, I usually end up getting good closing line value. You know, I will say that there's other times here and there where, you know, the line will go completely opposite of what I was thinking. Even in those moments, I'd still won bets like that. So when you talk about capping, I wouldn't say worry about closing line value. It obviously is good to have it, but you know, stick with your gut, stick with your entire process, and you'll be right more times than not. I agree. As we do have Jason Radowitz, does a terrific job over there with covers and so many more other platforms joining me on the podcast. And I am glad that you wanted bringing up closing line value because I always do think that it is important. I mean, the difference between laying five and a half and laying six, getting a seven instead of a six and a half, you can just name whatever you'd like, that extra half point to a point. I always do think it's important. And at the same time, it sort of needs to be balanced as well because I feel like in this COVID age, closing line value, no question. Like I mentioned, it's so important. But I think that sometimes paying for information is not necessarily the worst thing in the world. And by that, because 
typically that's a poker analogy when you do wind up thinking that you might have the worst of it with a hand, but at the same time you pay to see what your opponent has. When you wind up doing that in more handicapping, you wait a little bit longer, you give back a little bit more closing line value, but at the same time, if you've got a borderline like don't know whether or not a guy is going to be cleared from COVID-19 protocol or not, I do think that in some cases that can be worth it, especially if you value that player as being worth multiple points to a line like a top scorer. Yeah, it's absolutely helpful. And like you said, when it comes to the news, a lot of people, I'm sure they ask you a lot as well, is this guy out or is this guy in? Especially in mid-major, it's impossible to know that sometimes we won't even know until the game starts but that a guy is out, especially in mid-major play, because a lot of these teams don't have fee reporters at all. And if they do, they're not really allowed to be around because of COVID in the first place. You know, finding this news on mid-major teams and low-major teams is even harder than you might imagine. So you could go and you could play high major games and just go high major. But then there's that thing where a lot of people think that there's probably more value on mid-majors because there's not as much of a handle there. So, I mean, you can go back and forth all day where there's more value, you know, how to find injuries and all this. But college basketball, it's so tough as it is. Adding COVID on top of it with all these players, you know, not being able to play and whatnot, has really made it hard. But if you try your best to follow super fans and different, you know, beat reporters or guys you think are around, you know, the team as much as possible, that will definitely help with capping in, in the long run. Yep, I am in total agreement with you there. I do think that when it comes to trying to be able to get as much injury information as possible, just going right to Twitter is probably your best bet. Just Type in the player that's in question. It can even be a little bit of a team as well if you're trying to get a little bit of a roundup because every one of these teams reporters is on social media. You're really not going to find any like super underground place, like even Rotowire, for instance. I wind up using them for a lot of just general injury information, be a little bit of an aggregate, fantasy, college basketball as well. Those two guys, they do an absolutely terrific job. And I mean, they're out there on social media as well. So I do think that that is something that is very wise with this. And we know that a lot of teams are going through COVID-19 protocols right now. We've got over 50 teams on pause, over 70 teams have missed games over the last two weeks. And when it comes to this, because I've got to think that come the start of the new year, I'm knocking on whatever in the heck my microphone is right now resting on right now. I think that it's solid wood. This is like Victorian style oak. So it's actually a really nice table. But with that said, I just think that when we do wind up getting back into things, I don't think we're going to see as much rust with these teams like we wound up seeing last year because last year we had some teams that wound up going through 50-plus day quarantines being off the court. And this year when it came to the timing and which it wound up happening with a lot of these postponements and cancellations, it was when a lot of teams weren't playing a lot of games anyway when it comes to finals week, when it comes to Christmas break. And I would argue that in terms of the timing in which all these postponements and cancellations wound up happening, probably the best time just with regards to an on-court quality perspective and just these teams in general as well. Yeah, you're probably right. I agree with you here. I really don't think that it's going to be that bad for these college athletes. And you know what we've heard mostly is this new variant hasn't really been as crazy when it comes to illnesses in comparison especially if, you know, everyone's vaccinated on that team. So, you know, they're probably practicing, you know, like in their room, dribbling a ball or whatever. And so, yeah, I'm sure they'll, they'll be fine. They'll be active. They'll be ready to go. I know the CBC is changing some guidelines around. So that should help sports in general with getting players back earlier, you know, throughout their little COVID jail. But 
at the end of the day, yeah, I agree. I think players will be just fine coming back and we won't see as much craziness when they do return. I do agree with you, as we do have Jason Reidowitz joining me on the podcast. Does a terrific job handicapping a little bit of everything. And Jason, we've been talking a lot about postponements, cancellations, what have you. And obviously, we do have quite a few on the board for Tuesday. But is there any game that might be really standing out to you? Or is there a game maybe that we wound up getting robbed of that you're looking forward to see that seeing that perhaps we might be getting a little bit further down the line because I can tell you right now, I was going to be making my near post play of the day, the again, the UConn versus Xavier game. Unfortunately, we're not going to be getting that one. So the board very much has been lessened with that regard. But is there a game or two that is really standing out to you that we might be getting? Yeah, look, a lot of games were postponed and along with the UConn-Xavier game. The Georgetown-Creighton game would have been fun. And of course, the Cincinnati-Houston game would have been terrific. Although Houston now has, you know, their problems with Sasser out. But overall, yeah, those games are going to be missed. Of course, my guys, Hartford, they're not playing against Cornell Tuesday. There's still a couple of great games on the slate. Notre Dame-Pittsburgh, an ACC matchup. That should be fun. Spread at 3.5. So that will be an exciting one with Pittsburgh being at home and Notre Dame being the favorites. That can go either way. Outside that, there's a lot of games with heavy favorites. You know, Baylor against Northwestern State. Jack and Zag against North Alabama, you know, Texas Tech, of course, against Alabama State. So you got all those games. It's fun to watch these powerhouse teams against smaller schools just to, you know, see how much they can beat them by. But at the end of the day, yeah, there's not too much excitement going down on this slate. But there will be some spots, you know, to bet. For me personally, I'm a guy that likes to bet smaller numbers. That's where I've seen the most success. So a game like Pittsburgh Notre Dame might be, you know, the game I go to when trying to bet on a game. Also, Fresno State, Boise State, another really exciting game. The first game between both these teams in the Mountain West. So that should be really fun. Then there's Yale versus St. Mary's. St. Mary's is really good. 8-0 at home on the year, 11-3 and on the season. I know Yale hasn't been great this year. It's just 6-7 and seven and 1-3 and three on the road. But, you know, anytime that Yale plays a game, you always want to watch. You always want to pay attention because you never know when it comes to Yale. They can always knock off a team regardless of how good they are. Yale is always a very fascinating team. They're catching anywhere between 12 and a half and 13 points as I'm seeing it right now. So I do think that that is going to be a fun one as they go out West and Jason, you're holding it down right now out there in the Eastern part of the country. And you do a great job with a wide variety of things, handicapping all forms of football. You definitely dive into all forms of basketball as well. A little bit more college than the NBA right now, but I know you cover just a little bit of everything and do a great job with it. So let the good people know they're able to follow you on social media and just everything that you got going on in general. Yeah, look, on Monday, I actually had to make an NBA play because I didn't like what I was seeing with the Brown-Syracuse game in terms of the line. So I went and I played an NBA game for the first time in a little bit. That's kind of what's going on with this COVID thing. But soon enough, college basketball will be bad every single day. We'll not have to worry about kind of finding games. We'll get right in rhythm, and it should be really fun as we get into conference play. But, yeah, you can find me at Jason underscore Radowitz on Twitter. That's R-A-D-O-W-I-T-Z. I post all my articles there. post some plays there. And, you know, so far, I'm over 22% ROI in my last 65 bets. Again, I'm really a low-volume guy, but still uh, making profit, getting a big ROI, and uh, having fun doing it. That's what matters the most. So, yeah, you can find me on all those articles, all those plays, all on Twitter, at Jason Antroradowitz. And, yeah, you can even message me, DM me, tell me that you uh, listen to me on the show, and I'll be uh, really grateful for that.
and Jason doing an absolutely terrific job on all fronts when it comes to his handicapping, does so for a wide variety of platforms, has joined me quite a bit on both this podcast and my MOB podcast, and always does a terrific job whenever he comes on. So big thanks to Jason for joining me right here on Coast to Coast Hoops, now part of the Vison Family Podcast coming up next. Unfortunately, we did have quite a few games that wound up getting postponed slash canceled for the Tuesday college basketball betting board, but we still have some games out there, so we're going to try to honor some value as I give you picks and analysis on every one of them as we hit some bank shots coming up next. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up as well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back here in Love Las Vegas for Coast to Coast Hoops with myself, Craig Eves, and now part of the Beeson Family of Podcasts. And it is always great to get Jason Radowitz on the podcast. He does terrific work handicapping a little bit of everything. Guy is over there with covers, bookmaker review, the list goes on and on. He just does a wide variety of things and does them all so well. So great to be able to have him aboard today. Thank you so much to him. And now it is that time of the podcast to give you a signed total on every game on the betting board for this College Basketball Tuesday as we hit some bank shots. Most financial establishments close at a certain time, but not here. It is time. 
time for a side and total on every game on today's betting board bank shots. Do note that any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at Jaren's41, and especially today, I feel the need to throw this in here. There might be a couple games I preview that wind up getting postponed slash canceled. That is going to be very, very unfortunate. So this board is a little bit herky-jerky because we wound up having a couple games wind up getting added, and over half the board has been postponed, so you'll notice that there's going to be a lot of times in which I just need to move on, and that's going to be starting with the first game as we are going to be going in Las Vegas station order because we actually go to Las Vegas rather than saying you want to bet on say we're going to spitball here Boise State. Instead of saying that you want the Boise State spread, you'd give the rotation number of 616, which is why I do it in this order. But 601, 602 was supposed to be James Madison versus Penn. This game has been canceled. If this sounds like an insert, it's because I wound up doing half my preview of 603, 604, Sacramento State versus Oregon State. And as I was doing the preview, this game wound up getting canceled. 605, 606, Eastern Michigan versus Ohio, postponed. 607, 608, UConn was supposed to be the New York Post play of the day, postponed. 609, 610 on the betting board, Ball State, Northern Illinois, postponed. First game on the betting board that I'm seeing that is currently not postponed and or canceled is 611-612 on the betting board. You've got Notre Dame, and they're going to be playing against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is finding themselves anywhere between a 3.5 and a 4.0 underdog. In your tallest game, you're finding it anywhere between a 127 and a 128. And this is a spot in which I'm going to be taking a look at Pittsburgh. I want to saying them more on a 3.5 point underdog. So here at 4, I'm willing to take the points that win this actually opened up at 6. So that was some relatively solid value. But I take a look at this Notre Dame team. And I just don't have a lot of confidence in them being able to do enough to be able to get the job done in this spot because it is an Notre Dame team that they play relatively slow, but in terms of defensive efficiency, points allowed on a per possession basis, they've been one of the worst power programs out there in all of college basketball the last two seasons. You take a look at this Notre Dame team, and you've been able to get some good production out of Paul Atkinson Jr., right around 12 points, six half rebounds. Overall, this is a team that they shoot 35% from three, 76% at the free throw line, just a team that they really don't guard the three-point arc. And when it comes to Pittsburgh, I think that they're going to be able to do a good job down low. John Hughley has really been a good spot for this team in a team that has been all sorts of banged up with guys like Nike Sabandi and company. Hopefully being able to give this team something, but I've been unable to. He's been able to chip in there 14.5 points, 8.5 rebounds for a team that ranks in the bottom 75 with regards to possessions per game. And even though they rank that low with regards to their tempo, they still commit 14 turnovers per game. They shoot 65.7% the free throw line, 29% per three. But what I do like is the fact that Femi Olakala has been able to do a solid job of being able to make some three-point shots, shooting right around 37% from distance, completely took over the team's last game against Jacksonville. And this is a team that's a little bit on the up and up with Pittsburgh. They've won three out of their last four games, and their other two losses was a four-point loss against Monmouth and a one-point loss against Pittsburgh. So they haven't been as cataclysmically bad as they were at the beginning of the season. Then you take a look at Notre Dame, and... It's just a team that I have a tough time hitching my wagon to at this point. I mean, Nate Lozowski still giving the team right around 8 points on about 38% 3-point shooting with 7.5 boards per game, but he's seen a little bit of dip in production from last year. Prentice Hub, last year, this guy was giving the team 14.5 points, a little bit under 6 assists per game. That's down to 7 points, 3 assists, because we have seen a little bit more out of some of the ancillary pieces of this team. Blake Wesley has really been able to step up shooting 34.5% from 3-point range. He's given the team approximately 14 or 15 points in each other 
the last four games, but I do think that this is going to be a little bit of a slower, grimier game. When it comes to defense, Pittsburgh has really been able to step up with that. I recognize it was a shorthanded St. John's team, but they allowed just 57 points in that game, so this is about a team that has been able to do a good job of holding up with this respect. 68 points or fewer given up in each other last five games. They do a good job of being able to slow the game down, so set an order name as a three and a half point favorite, so I'm willing to take a four here with Pittsburgh. When it comes to Salt, made it 123 and a half because of that slow tempo, so we're going to be diving under, and I'm going to be taking the points with Pittsburgh. 613-614, Cincinnati and Houston has been postponed, so we go to 615-616 on the betting board. Fresno State is going to be taking on Boise State. Boise State is anywhere between a three and a half and a four point favorite in your total. It is the lowest on the betting board. Anywhere between 117 and a half, seeing as high as a 119 and a half. And I think that we went a little bit too low here. Boise State has been able to find a little bit more scoring recently. So I did wind up setting this total at a 123 and a half. And this is another one of these games in which it's a tight line. And I'm going to be leaning towards the points because I did wind up setting Boise State as a one and a half point favorite. When it comes to Boise State, they have just not been good at being able to put the ball in the basket in general. This is a team that has collected. They shoot 60 and a half percent at the free throw line. They are shooting now about 33% for three-point range. We've seen a little bit of a rebound with that. And the big reason why, Tyson DeGenhart. That is actually his name. DeGen and then Hart. He has been averaging right around nine points per game, but he has really come on late. This is a guy that's saying six foot seven, true freshman, shooting 42.5% from three-point range. You just take a look at it, and he has put up double figures in each out of the team's last seven games. So ever since he has been getting minutes, he has been able to do a great job with them. Now, you do have Emmanuel Aikot as well, someone who has been able to do a nice job, be able to pump in there right around 11 points per game. He's able to give the team a little bit over three assists. Abu Kiab has been able to chip in there 15 points per game as well, but shoot 61% in the free throw line as well, and I do think that the most unstoppable force out there on the court is going to be Orlando Robinson, a 7-footer that's putting up 18.5 points, 8 boards, 2.5 assists, 1.2 steals, 1.7 blocks, and shoots 32.5% from 3-point range. Overall, Fresno State only shooting about 31% from 3, but also 74.5% in the free throw line. Now, the big mystery with this team is Jabril Baker, because he wanted playing a couple games earlier in December. He wanted being out of the fold when the team wanted taking out Weber State, but even without him, they were able to bludgeon Weber State I think that he's probably going to be out of the full once again. So you're going to be seeing a lot of Deion Stroud, Isaiah Hill, Jordan Campbell, all guys giving you between 7 and 8.5 and points per game. When it comes to one of their other guards in Anthony Holland, he is shooting 44% from 3-point range. This is a Fresno State team that they overall do a solid job on the glass. I do think that in the end, Boise State might have a little bit more, especially with this being a true home game for them, to be able to get it done. But I'm very willing to take a 3.5 to a 4 here with Fresno State actually seeing a straight 4.5 out there as well. So I'm going to be taking the points when it comes to this Fresno State team. When it comes to the total, I do think that we wind up getting a little bit of late game following. Boise State has been kicking up their tempo just a tad recently. So also said this total 123 and a half. So going over and I'm going to be taking the points. 617-618, Georgetown versus Creighton. Postponed. 619-620, UC Riverside taking on UC Davis. That has been postponed. Now we go to my New York Post play of the day. Let's pray that this one doesn't get washed out. 621-622, and this is the last game on the normal Las Vegas betting board before we hit the extra games. St. Mary's is going to be playing us Yale. Bulldogs, anywhere between 12.5 and 13-point underdogs in your total this game, anywhere between 131 and 132, and... I wound up saying this total 128.5 and made St. Mary's an 8.5 point favorite. When it comes to the St. Mary's team, they're an okay 3 point shooting team. They're not necessarily great. They're not necessarily terrible. Obviously a team that they do a relatively solid job of being able to ratchet up on defense but this is also a St. Mary's team that they don't necessarily take great care of the ball. They're right around 175th in the country when it comes to turnovers on a per possession basis and Azir Swain has really stood out to me. Over the last 10 games for this team, averaging 20.8 points per game while making right around 88% of his free throws. Only 
only about a 32-ish percent three-point shooter, but overall has been very solid for this team. This is a Yale team that they don't necessarily force a lot of seals, but I do think that they're going to be able to do a little bit of a better job down low. They have been transitioning a little bit to not having out there one of their main rebounders in EJ Jarvis, but what else I think is going to be big is being able to have the versatility of 6 of 5 Jalen Gabadin. He has been able to give the team 10.5 points, 6.5 rebounds, shooting 36% from 3-point range, so he's been able to do a relatively solid job there. And then you take a look at the flip side for St. Mary's, and you do have a lot of guys that they just know their role very well. Someone like a Kyle Bowen, who's only giving you 5 points per game, but he's been able to chip in there 6.5 rebounds per game. You've got Matthias Taz, who just does it all for the same 13 points, 5.5 rebounds, only shoots about 22% from 3-point range, but that's why you've got Dan Foto shooting 42% from three-point range at Tommy Cousy, shooting 48.5% from distance with Cousy and Foto both give you between 10 and 10.5 points at right around four boards per game apiece. Cousy along with that right around three and a half assists per game. So these guys have been relatively solid. This is a St. Mary's team that they are really going to be looking to play a little bit slower. Yale's a team that they're looking to push the tempo a little bit more. They're in the top one with that regarding Yale. Has been falling on a couple tough times, but I think that this is a good spot for them. I think that they're going to do a effective job of being able to attack this defense. So as a result, I did wind up making this total 120 and as I do think that St. Mary's is going to be able to get their tempo, but I think that Yale's going to be able to hit enough threes to be able to hold in this game. So made the New York Post play of the day. Yale getting the points, so I'm going to be taking them. Set this total at 128 and a half as well, so taking the under along with Yale. Unfortunately, that's it for the normal Las Vegas betting board, so now we hit the extra games. The normal betting board picks are complete, but there are some extra games today, so we go into the bonus. Going in Las Vegas rotation order with these as well. This begins with 306-001, You've got Alabama State, and they're going to be hitting the road to face off against Texas Tech. The Red Raiders are finding themselves a 29.5 point favorite, and your total on this game, you're getting it at a 135.5. I set Texas Tech as a 27 point favorite. This is an Alabama State team that has actually been halfway respectable. Gerald Liddell is a former top 100 recruit that actually began his career at Texas, so you got to think that he's going to be up for this game. A guy that's able to give you 11 points, shooting 43.5% from three point range as a 6'6 combo player. Now, Tracy Young being out for a little bit of time wound up hurting this Alabama State team, but he did wind up returning in the team's most recent game against Texas. You could tell that he was out of rhythm. He had eight turnovers. I fully expect him to be much better in this game as he did wind up having seven points, six rebounds in that game. And overall, has been able to give this team nine points per game. Shoots about 85% at the free throw line. Kenny Strawbridge is able to give you right around eight and a half points per game as well. And then you take a look at Texas Tech. You've got some good versatility out there on the floor and a team that, as a collective, shoots about 35% from three-point range. When it comes to points allowed on a per-possession basis, this is a Texas Tech team that they rank towards the top of all of college basketball. Basketball, Kevin McCullough along Terrence Shannon have been a very good duo for this team as these two guys are both giving you between 13.5 and 14.5 points per game. You've got both of these guys shooting right around 35% from three-point range. So they have been able to do a relatively effective job in this one. Now with Shannon, he has been dealing with a little bit of an ailment. Seems like there's a chance that he does wind up playing in this one, but even if he does wind up going in a game like this against Alabama State, you've got to figure that they aren't going to be pushing him full bore as he's missed the last two games for the team. Marco Santos Silva. As a result, he's been only giving the team right around four boards per game. I expect him to get a little bit more playing time here moving forward as I do think that they are probably going to be looking to a little bit more of the post game. If you do wind up having Shannon limited like I think that he is going to be, Kevin O'Banner has been able to give this team nine and a half points right around five boards, shooting 38% from three-point range. Bryson Williams has been able to chip in there 11 and a half points, four and a half boards. He shoots 45% from three-point range. And then you've even got Davion Warren, who winds up coming in from Hampton, a 36% three-point shooter. I think the Texas Tech should be able to win this game 
game and win this game relatively convincingly, but this is an Alabama State team that they do push the tempo a little bit more, but I think that Texas Tech's defensive efficiency is going to be there, but with that said, also with having Shannon off the floor, I think it's going to be a little bit tougher for Texas Tech to be able to cover the summer. Set the line at 27, so I'm going to be taking the points with Alabama State. Made this all 133, so diving under as well. 306003, 306004. American and Siena canceled. 306005, 306006. Cornell and Hartford canceled. Boy, that is brutal. So we move on. 306007, 306008. Gonzaga is going to be playing us in North Alabama. North Alabama is finding themselves a 34 point underdog with your total on this game, 141.5. I want to make in this line 32. So I certainly think that Gonzaga is going to be able to win this game comfortably. And when it comes to my power rankings, Gonzaga by a very, very, very slight hair is still my number one overall team. But this is a North Alabama team that they do have a couple of redeeming qualities. Daniel Ortiz is able to give you 10.5 points per game. Shoots 47% from three-point range. He has cooled off over the last two games for this team. But prior to that, he had 12 plus points in the previous three games. You've got someone in Jabari Blackman who's able to help out in the backcourt as well. Right around 9.5 points per game. Shoots in the mid-30s from three-point range, so he's able to do a relatively effective job there, and has been doing a good job of not turning the ball over. He has turned the ball over just five times in the team's last five games. Meanwhile, we've got Andrew Nemart. Assist to turnover ratio with him is right around two. He's been able to give the team nine points per game, and really the sharpshooter for this team has been Rogier Bolton. Shooting 43% from three, ten and a half points, a little bit over three boards per game. You've got Chad Holmgren, who's right now giving the team 3.7 blocks per game, shooting 37% from three, 13 and a half points per game. Drew Timmy, 17 points, six boards, so I mean, these guys have been relatively effective. You've got a North Alabama team that they're going to get bludgeoned on the glass. You do have Damian Forrest, though, someone who's saying six foot ten, and he's been a little bit of a designated rebounder, pulling in six and a half rebounds per game, only giving the team five and a half points per game, but with that as well, he's actually been able to do a nice job in terms of free throw shooting at 93%, so you have something there when it comes to North Alabama, not necessarily an up-tempo team, but I've always noticed with regards to their games, ever since they wound up coming up to the D1 level, if they do wind up getting sped up by a power program, they are willing to oblige, and they shoot right around 79 percent the free throw line and 36 percent from three so it's not like you've got a bunch of guys that are inept when it comes to putting the ball in the basket so I did wind up saying Gonzaga's result as a 32 point favorite so willing to take the points also made this little 150 Gonzaga has been very good at always being able to get their tempo so going to be taking the over and I'm going to be taking the points 306-009-306-0010 you've got Ohio State and New Orleans canceled that's unfortunate 306-011-306-012 Valparaiso and Prairie View and up canceled Brutal, no money to be made, so we move on. 306-013, 306-014. You've got Baylor and Northwestern State. The Demons are catching 38 points, and your total on this game is 145. I wound up sending Baylor as a 37.5 point favorite, so we're relatively close here. Here at 38, we've just went a little bit too far. I mean, this is a case in which Baylor, if they're up by like 35 points with three minutes left to go, you got to figure that they're going to be calling off the dogs a little bit. And I'm going to mention it once again with this Baylor team. They shoot 66% at the free throw line. I think that that could mean a little bit of something in this game. It could be the difference between a 40-point win and more like a 37-point win. We've got a Baylor team that they shoot 35.5% from three-point range. Headlined by Kendall Brown, the freshman, along with LJ Cryer. Both of these guys combined to shoot about 47% from three-point range. You've got Brown being able to give you 13 points per game. Cryer more around 13 and a half points per game. And then James Akinjo has been masterful in the backcourt. He wound up having one bad game against VCU, which he wound up having like six turnovers and pass that. He has been 
doing a relatively good job of being able to keep a clean sheet as he has had three turnovers or fewer in four of the last five games for this team, shooting 36% from three with 11.5 points per game to go with those six assists per game. Adam Flagler is able to give you 10 points per game. Matthew Meyer has been solid. And then Jonathan John Chachua has been really the energizer bunny for this team down low. Nine points, eight and a half boards. And Jeremy Schoen has also been able to give you right around six boards per game. But then you do take a look at Northwestern State and down low you do have Kendall Coleman, a guy that's able to give you 15 points, eight and a half boards. I think that he's certainly going to be losing that battle down low. But at the same time, he is able to give you a little bit of help. This is a team that now gets back Carvel Tset as well. Someone who's been able to give the team nine points and nearly four assists per game in the four games they wound up playing and wound up missing the front half of the season. But ever since he's been back, this has been a team that's been a little bit more competitive. They were able to cover against Texas A&M with them out there in the fold. Now, this is a Northwestern State team that they themselves shoot 60% of the free throw line. They're not necessarily up-tempo, and they commit 15 turnovers per game. But what they also do get with T-Set as well is right around two steals per game. So that should be able to help this team out. And I do also like what you're getting out of Cedric Garrett. Someone who's standing right around 6'5". He's able to give the team 7.5 points, right around 3.5 rebounds per game, a little bit over a steal per game. So... He's been a nice mixer and shaker for this team. Baylor's going to be able to win this game convincingly, and with Baylor, they rank in the top five nationally when it comes to defensive efficiency, so I do think that Northwestern State is certainly going to get held down with their scoring. Set the total at 139, so I'm willing to take the under, but here at 38, we just went a little bit too far. I set my line at 37.5, so I'm going to take 38 here when it comes to Northwestern State. 306-015, 306-016. Maryland and Loyola Maryland has been canceled. You'll find that Maryland is going to be getting a replacement game here in a minute, but first we go to 306 Six zero seventeen, three zero six zero eighteen. Texas is back to being a big favorite against Incarnate Word. The Word is a thirty-one and a half point underdog, and your turn on this game is one twenty-nine. Among these big spreads, this is the one that I really felt good about taking. I wanted saying Texas as a thirty-four and a half point favorite. Now, the big thing with Texas is that Marcus Carr just has not necessarily been a great fit with this team. I never thought that he was going to be, but when you take a look at the other guys, they've really been able to do a nice job for this team. Timmy Allen, who winds coming in from Utah, twelve and a half points, six and a half rebounds, two and a half assists. Overall, Texas shooting about. 34.5% from three-point range with versatile 6'9 Trey Mitchell, shooting about 38% from distance, giving the team 10.5 points, 5.5 rebounds per game. Each out of your top six scores for this Texas team are giving you at least a steal per game as well. That includes Dylan Dissu. Dissu is now back to the fold, 9 points, 4.5 boards per game. This guy comes in from Vanderbilt. He's saying 6'9", he's able to pop threes. This guy is absolutely amazing. You've got a Texas team that they do the little things well. They shoot 76.5% the free throw line, and they force 9.5 steals per game. This is against an incarnate word team that Shall we say they're not necessarily the best at being able to take care of the ball. A little bit over 15 turnovers per game now. They shoot about 74% of the free throw line and 36% from three-point range themselves, but Texas, in regards to defensive efficiency, one of the best teams in college basketball. Now, Incarnate Ward winds up getting back Josh Morgan. He's been back for two games, and in a combined 72 minutes in the team's last two games, he's had nine total points. This is someone that averages 13 points per game, shoots 39% for the season, but I think that he probably wound up coming back a little bit too early because he has not been himself. Down low, this is a team that is going to get bludgeoned. You do have Johnny Hughes the third, who has been able to give the same 13 points Six half rebounds per game. She's right around 33% from three-point range. And then Drew Lutz has been able to give out four assists per game, but also the two and a half turnovers per game. And for that matter, each out of Incarnate Words, top four scorers commit at least 2.1 turnovers per game, including RJ Glasper. Wines coming in from Oral Roberts has been able to give the team 13 points, three assists per game. But I think that Texas is just going to take Incarnate Word completely out of their game. I think that Texas is going to be able to get a bunch of turnovers. I think that this is going to get a little bit ugly. And I think that Texas is going to be able to do a lot of work on the overall by themselves. Set this 
total at 132, so I'm looking at the over. Set Texas as a 34.5 point favorite, so willing to lay the points. And we've got two added games to the added games board as we've got 306-0-19, Maryland is going to be playing us a Lehigh. Mountain Ox find themselves a 21.5 point underdog with your total on this game, 138. I'm really curious to see what Danny Manning has planned for the Maryland team the rest of the season because... While Manning was at Wake Forest, he obviously kicked up the tempo quite a bit while he was there. Meanwhile, Maryland, they've always been a bottom 100 team with regards to tempo whenever Mark Turgeon was there. So I do think that you're going to see a little bit of mixing and matching here. I want him saying the total personally at 134. I think that this is a Maryland team that in general, moving forward under Danny Manning, they might be just a little bit disjointed. You've got... A team of really not good three-point shooters, Fats Russell. He's right now shooting 34.5% from three, but I think that that'll regress. He's had a solid year. 13 points, four boards, three and a half assists. A guy that typically gives you more than the one steal per game is currently registering. You've got a Maryland team that they do shoot 74% of the free line, but like I said, only about 31% from three, despite their slow tempo. 13 turnovers per game as well. Then you take a look at Lee I. Certainly a team with deficiencies. They've only got one win, but they did wind up taking Rutgers to overtime on the road. Now, that is Rutgers, but you do have a pair of guys in the Wilsons, in Marquise Wilson and Jamero Wilson, will be able to do a solid job. They're combining for about 21.5 points per game now. Marquise Wilson most likely going to be out of the full once again for this team. He wound up missing pretty much all the team's games in December aside from the first one, so I'm thinking that he's going to be out once again for this one, but Jamero Wilson shoots 35% from three-point range. Overall, Lee, they shoot about 71% at the free throw line, what I think is going to be very key as well. Dominic Perlin, down low, he's been able to give the team right around 7 rebounds per game, is able to give you about 7 points per game. Now, Kudaswab He's been able to give this Maryland team a little bit over a block and a half per game. He's averaging 10 plus points, right around 7 to 8 rebounds per game, so he's able to do a rock solid job, but I do look to Nick Lynch having a little bit of a bigger role for this team moving forward. Last year, averaged 12 points, 4.5 rebounds per game. Thus far this year, it's only been more like 5.5 points, 2.5 rebounds per game. He was really seeing his minutes limited towards the beginning part of the season, but he's been able to pick up a little bit of steam recently. He's been able to give the team 10 plus points in two of the last four games, so I do think that he's going to be able to deliver a little bit of something a guy that's actually able to have a little bit of range as well. So I take a look at this Lee I team. I think that they're being a little bit unjustly, I guess you'd call it dogged in this game. I wound up saying them as a 14 and a half point underdog. So I'm willing to take the points. I do think that Maryland being in a strange transition, it's going to cause them to be a little bit less than effective on offense. So this is a game which I'm going to be taking a look at the under and I'm going to be taking a look at the points and we wrap things up with 306-021-306-022. You got Southern Illinois and they're going to be playing us to Grambling. Grambling, a 16 point underdog in your tallest game is 127. I want to make in this line 15 with Grambling. It certainly has been a far from great team, but you do have some good three-point shooters and you do have a Southern Illinois team that is in the bottom five with regards to possessions per game. So that means that they've got to be very, very on point to be able to cover this sort of a number. Now you do have Marcus Domas who's done a nice job of stuffing the stat sheet as a six foot six combo player, right around 14 and a half points, five and a half boards, Four and a half assists, a steal per game, shooting about 34.5% from three-point range. Overall, this is a Southern Illinois team that they shoot 35% from three. They do turn the ball over 12 times per game. When you're in the bottom five with regards to possessions per game, that's actually not too great. They shoot 67.5% of the free line. You don't have a single guy giving you more than the four and a half boards per game that Domas provides. Now, Lance Jones is able to give the team 15 points, four boards, two seals per game. He also shoots right around 65% of the free line, 26.5% from three. Now, Grambling, they've got their deficiencies as well. Nearly 17 turnovers per game. They're 
creating about as many turnovers as Sarah Lee's bakery right now. But with that said, Dana Kingsby along Cam Christian, their top two scorers, both of these guys shoot at least 40% from three-point range now. Christian has been dealing with some ailments throughout the season, but he was able to return for that TCU game, played 30 minutes in that one, so he should be good to go in this one. A.J. Taylor has been able to give you 9.5 points, 6.5 boards per game, shooting 85% at the free throw line. Overall, Grambling, they shoot much like Southern Illinois at the free throw line, about 67.3%, a little bit over 33% from three-point range. I do think that Prince Moss is going to be able to step up a little bit. He's only been able to get the team right around 6.5 points per game last year, gave the team 9.5 points per game, and shot 46% for three this year, more like 23% from distance. So I expect him to be able to step up a little bit in this spot. I do think that Southern Illinois is going to get their tempo a very, very slow. They do an okay job of being able to force some turnovers and Grambling. Well, they turn the ball over a ton, so I think that this is going to be a sloppy, ugly game. Set this total 125, so I'm taking a look at the under and want to making Southern Illinois a 15-point favorite, so we'll take the 16 here with Grambling, and that will wrap things up for the Tuesday edition of Coast to Coast Soups, now part of the Vison Family Podcast. A big thanks to Jason Radowitz for joining me in the second segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, Coast to Coast Soups, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you for this podcast, you've got one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at JarenSquarty1. Keep in mind, letters M. Amy does not matter, so as per usual, please send these into the timeline, and the other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Coming at you guys every single day throughout the college basketball season, which means I'll be coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.